Hi, I'm Simon Devereaux, Director of Global Talent Development at Framestore, and welcome to the Framestore podcast, a learning and talent development focused podcast made by Framestore for Framestore. So last month, we celebrated Women's History Month with a stellar lineup of female team members under this year's theme, Celebrating Women Who Tell Our Stories. Now, we're into April, but had such a brilliant hit list from our teams at Framestore that we thought we'd keep the celebration going. This week, we're focusing on our incredible crewing and scheduling teams, where we invite special guest VFX scheduler Ellen Boss to take on the dailies. Joining us for this week's episode as co-host is LA-based scheduling assistant Katie Chang. This was a lot of fun to record, so please settle in and enjoy episode 17, part one of the Framestore podcast, our crewing special. Welcome back to the Framestore podcast, episode 17, part one. Every two weeks, we invite both a guest from our global Framestore community and a co-host with a keen interest in our guest's craft, work or career path. And we let the magic happen. We split each episode in two parts across the week. On today's episode, I warm them up by inviting our guest to the Framestore podcast daily session, our 13-question grilling, followed by Thursday's second part, where our co-host leads a deeper dive into why we invited them on the pod in the first place. On this week's episodes, we continue our series of conversations celebrating Women's History Month. This year's theme is celebrating women who tell our stories. So we're very well placed at Framestore to have these discussions where we continue to spotlight women's achievements, increase visibility and raise awareness of roles, disciplines and different perspectives across our global community. Today we invite VFX scheduler Ellen Boss to take on the dailies. Formerly a dance teacher and shall I say retailer for want of a better expression, Ellen joined Framestore in the spring of 2019 as a talent PA, quickly rising through the ranks to junior VFX scheduler and now VFX scheduler, currently crossing over with production and so many artists on a daily basis. Joining us for this week's episode as co-host is LA-based scheduling assistant Katie Chang. I'm going to leave it there. Very long intro. Welcome both to the podcast. How the devil are you? And should I say happy, I do this all the time, happy Women's History Month. How are you? Happy Women's History Month. Nice to have, nice to be here. Excellent. Welcome, welcome. And this is, I'm excited about this episode because we're here to talk about, you know, Women's History Month briefly at the start of the the episode, but we're really here to showcase your roles and what you do. I'm particularly excited because we're here to talk about crewing because it's... I, I used the term enigma when we were we were prepping this call and uh, crewing always. I mean, I sit behind uh, the talent, the IA type talent team, and I hear there's so much buzz. There's a lot of great conversations, but the key thing I get from those conversations is how busy you are, how stretched you are. Just that I see those um, those views on your screen and, and all of those moving pieces and parts, and it looks like an absolute. It's like you're landing a plane sometimes. So I'm excited yeah. to break this down. <laughs> <laughs> for, for yeah, no. Yeah, for sure. I'm I'm excited to be here. I think 
I love my job. So, um, yeah, you literally sit right behind me and have to deal with my noise all day, every day. Um, but yeah, excited to be here. And obviously Katie does the same job in LA. So it's cool to have the kind of different, um, country perspectives as well. So we get the US-UK connection as well as the yeah. IA connection as well. Absolutely. So this is very exciting. And Katie, thank you for stepping up as uh, co-host. So you only joined, uh, say only joined, should I say you joined Framestore in November and you come from uh, the, the wacky world of education. So tell me a bit more about that. I do, yes. I was a uh, ESL, English as a Second Language, teacher for almost four years. Um, but I have to say the, the skills translate really well uh, to what I'm doing now. I, as a teacher, managing a busy schedule, managing different clients and things like that, but then also just the ability to talk to someone uh, who, who English may not be their first language. A lot of our artists in LA, English isn't their first language. So it's, mm. it, the skills are really translating, I'm finding. That's great to hear. Well, I'm keen to kind of delve into that. And equally, you're talking about translatable skills or transferable skills. Ellen, uh, tell us a bit about your, uh, I mean, I've just found out literally 10 minutes ago that you used to be a dance teacher. I did. I did. Um, I mean, so I started dancing when I was three, just a little, little baby dancing. Um, and I danced all the way until I left New Zealand. So I'm British. And then my family moved to New Zealand when we were, um, when I was 10 and I started working or dancing at a dance school called Neverland Studios, which was very sparkly and magical. Um, and yeah, trained there. And when it became apparent that professional dancing probably wasn't my my calling in life, should we say, um, I did an internship when I was 17. And then I became a dance teacher there. And I loved every second of it. And I taught kids from the age of three up until 18 and I taught um ballet musical theater uh what else did I do jazz and I loved it yeah and then I went to uni and I did that alongside uni so it's very much a special special part of my career so you're both educators this is great a lot of different types of education (laughs) but both come from the, essentially the teaching profession which is uh totally which is great in terms of all those characters you have to deal with on a daily basis yeah and like Katie says that that's a massive transferable skill like the balancing of different Mm. characters and the sort of I'm not the world's most patient person but I feel like in this role you have to be so Mm. patient and really pick your battles and um yeah it it is such a transferable skill I've never thought of it like that but teaching has really set us up good yeah I mean it's the core DNA of just dealing with people I mean and everybody thinks they can do it but unless you've set foot in a any form of educational institution whether you're teaching kids to dance or English as a second language yeah perfectly transferable and I think as well like not to offend any of the people that we work with but I think you do realize that even working with adults is so Mm. much that still exists in that sort of child childlike behavior as adults you still you know get grumpy sometimes you're still like very overly excitable and especially in the creative industry you've got that added layer of creative genius on top of it it's a it is a bit like a school I think on Ian's episode he said it was like walking through the floors felt like you were in your last year of college I completely agree with him (laughs) in the best way 
there is something in there, isn't there? Even like, it depends on the age of the, the kids that the, like you say, you, you mentioned the age range earlier, but there's a lot of uh, conversations and a lot of, um, a lot of research done on leadership and, and, and management. And there's a lot of kind of almost teaching parental kind of approaches to dealing with people because we're all big kids at heart. We all need a bit yeah. of a, an arm put around us occasionally being told, being told it's all right, but also goal setting and, you know, we, we, we do it at every age, don't we? Am, am I getting too deep too early? Or no, I, I love it. I love it. <laughs> breaking it breaking it down. I don't know whether Katie, Katie's looking at me as I have to go, he's, what's he talking about? But do you agree? <laughs> I'm, think, I'm reflecting. I'm thinking you're, you're prompting silent deep, reflection. deep thoughts in this Tuesday morning for me. <laughs> Yet early in LA. Like, it is Katie's early. Like, it's, it's not too early. <laughs> it's not too early. I should okay. be awake right now. Yeah. Good. <laughs> Good. Well, this will this will inspire you for your your day ahead, Katie. There you um, go. <laughs> well, thanks again for both of you making the time. I always I, f- I feel bad about taking anybody away from their day job here uh, for more than ninety minutes, particularly in the world of crewing and and crewing up shows and all the hard work you do. And I want to get into that because I, all the po- the point of the podcast is to raise awareness of all the different roles that exist within Framestore and in visual effects in many ways as well. But it would be remiss of me not to talk about Women's History Month before we get into the questions. And I wanted to ask you, if I can start with you, Ellen, you know, what does Women's History Month mean to you? You know, I, I feel like it's such a, it's an important time, I guess, to reflect about just women in all industries and just women in society. Um, I am not going to claim to know of course. You know, everything at all. But, you know, I've got some incredible women around me and what women do in the world is literally phenomenal. And to have a whole month kind of dedicated to celebrating that or even just pondering where we've got to and where we have to go, I think is yeah. incredible. And it's super cool, Simon, that you're kind of shining a light on that on the podcast. I think it's really special you don't have to and here you are doing it and I think that that's awesome well, thank you yeah. well uh, I, I've got so many um so many people I've put forward for these episodes and because we're moving to the bi-weekly cadence now I think we're going to be celebrating Women's History Month for the next three months I think there's just too Incredible. many cool as it, people as it should be Right, right, and right. It should be be women's year, I think. We should call it the Frame Store, the Women's Frame Store podcast, and just rename the whole thing. Do you know what? That's a fantastic idea. Done. You heard it here first. (laughs) What about you, Katie? What's your take, and uh, what does Women's History Month mean to you? I think for me, it just it makes me reflect about, uh, or maybe just be more have a more conscious appreciation for the women in my life. Just thinking about how I mean, I I am a woman. That's how I identify, but but also how my life is impacted by women and thinking about it specifically from the context of work. Um, I, I pretty much, my, I mean, my team that I work on is all women and crewing, we're pretty much all women. Um, so it's, it's, it's been a great experience joining Framestore to see all these powerful ladies in these positions of management. And, yeah. um, you know, I work with the head of production in LA. It's, it's been really inspiring because all it really makes me feel is like, look at all these things that I can do in my career moving mm. forward, you know. Yeah, it's the, pa- the power of role modeling, isn't it? And having, yes. Having that to aspire to, I think is huge. See it, be it. Yeah, totally. Amazing. 
All right. Well, we could we could chat all day about this, and I want to talk about crewing quickly before we get into the dailies, if that's okay. Sure. And Ellen, if you can kick us off, I just want to ask my role here. A lot of people think this is because I know nothing, and I kind of do know nothing. But honestly, I do have to play that's the it. everyman. I have to play the everyman on this podcast, or the every person. <laughs> and what is what is a VFX scheduler? What is it you do on a day to day basis? And I'm going to ask you as well, Katie, on the other side of the world. But I'm going to start with Ellen. You know what's okay. What, what do you do? Well, I guess the crux of it is you basically manage schedules, crew sheets from producers and you, you manage sort of the workflow of, of the department. Um, so NIA, we've kind of got 150 artists about, I don't even know if I want to misquote this. I'm going to say about 50 people in production. And so there are a lot of shows going on at any time, whether that's short form commercials or long form episodic or immersive projects. And every week we get crew sheet updates and it is my job as well as uh, my two colleagues, James and Liz, it's our jobs to kind of hold those schedules and make sure all of the productions have their right artists and producers assigned to the project and you know the borrowing of time days here days there sick leave all of that kind of stuff it's 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 a juggling tetris game of fun yeah that yeah is it, it. It, it sounds it and the one of the things i've understood having kind of missed that closely not just this particular team but um in previous guises as well is it's almost kind of the and correct me if i'm wrong but almost unique that you, your commodity is time yeah, it's almost a negotiation of totally. literally, you know, the hourglass. Yeah, of, of time, but also of also people's skills, which is a really hard thing to quantify sometimes, mm. especially in visual effects. Like the thing that has struck me the most about visual effects is the the balance between these insanely creative, like traditionally creative artists that have this sort of like weapon, if you can call it that, of software and tech which I, I, you know, I think you'd be hard pressed to find in any other industry. And so finding the right person for this very specific imaginative role is difficult. And it's not always going to be the first solution that you come across. So yeah, definitely time as a commodity, but also people's skill and their preference and what's going to kind of like set their world on fire and get them to kind of do the job the quickest in the best way. It's all about efficiency, right? Absolutely. And, and understanding people. I mean, I almost yeah. picture it like a, a, a crewing boot camp where you have dossier, you know, almost like CIA dossiers of your, your, your artists in terms of their skill sets <laughs> and where they're from and where they studied. It's like flashcards. Like when I started, Abby was like, and who's this? And what Brilliant. are they? No, she didn't. But I well, kind of sure. wish she did. I might have that learned been a lot faster. <laughs> But yeah, but then understanding, I mean, 150 artists, that's, I mean, that's an, even if that is a ballpark figure, yeah. that's a lot of skill sets to get your head around. And it's I huge. imagine you've got to think quickly on your feet as well in the, the meetings you're yeah. in. Yeah, 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 you do. But that, that is what makes it fun, I Amazing. Think. Thank you, Ellen. Katie, do you want to add to that? What's your, is that your take on, on the crazy world of crewing or have you got a different take over in L.A.? Absolutely. Although I will make the point that LA is a, is a bit of a smaller operation as compared to London. I think um, I think where we we have uh, a smaller amount of artists, but but we do still have this this dynamic slate of projects and things are fluid and ever changing. And it's sort of like it's it's sort of you're you're solving problems every day. There's a need. 
and there's not a clear solution, how can you be creative about how to solve that problem? But the way you're solving it is through your resources, which are your humans, your artists. Um, how do you build the puzzle so that the whole picture makes sense? Yeah. Fascinating. And it's such an, clearly such an important part of the whole machine. Crikey, the whole thing would fall apart without your team, right? I mean, that's yeah. from what you've said. Yeah, a little bit. I, I don't like saying that because it makes, it makes you feel like you're too important. But it is even like, um, like my colleagues, Liz and James, if one of us are on holiday, yeah. you really start to kind of feel the weight of it and um, the sort of the, the deadlines get closer and someone will message you at 9am and if you haven't replied to them by 1pm, they'll be like, hello, question mark, which is <laughs> the worst thing you can you receive in crewing. Teacher, just like, are you ignoring me? Hello. <laughs> wow. Well, an insight that I'm sure we'll unpack as we get through the, the episode both. So yeah. um, we're in danger of this being a very long episode, as they always are. So I'm going to... I talk too much. You Sorry. don't, you don't. You've not, you've not, I'm not going to mention any names of uh, previous podcast guests, <laughs> but a few have uh, overstayed their welcome, well, aren't I? <laughs> so you're in, in good company. Right. We're going to open the dailies. So cue a dramatic sound effect. And we're into the dailies. And the first question is, we always answer it in the preamble at the start, but I'm asking it you anyway. Who, where, what? Who are you? Where are you? And what are you working on, Ellen? My name is Ellen. <laughs> and I'm um, a VFX scheduler at a frame store IA in London. But currently, I'm recording this episode in our meeting room ironically called Los Angeles ah, very two together nice little there. tie there um and I'm currently working on every single project that is going <laughs> through integrated advertising um as well as a project that's going through the film pipe so nice yeah so how often does that happen? Because one of the questions I wanted to ask is, you know, I've only been with Framestore just over a year and you have the film world, you have the IA world, uh, you have your, you, you, we've all, I assume everybody's listened to the uh, the roundup episodes we did where I put everybody into neat little boxes. Uh, so how how often are you collaborating and crossing over with the, with film? Um, quite, quite a lot, I would say. I think it is tricky, um, because of the kind of infrastructure, the, the pipeline, yeah. there are so many roles and departments that can cross over quite easily, um, like comp, um, animation, rigging. But then there are departments that aren't as easy to cross over. So effects, lighting, look dev. So, but gen genuinely, like the efficiency of Frame Store as a whole is using all resources globally. Like we have such a talented team whether that's us collaborating with film here or film in Montreal, like we're using some effects artists from Montreal at the moment for one of our projects or using some of Katie's team in LA. Yeah. Um, it's, it's kind of our job to make sure that we are using the resources we have globally rather than hiring freelancers or, you know, external people. So working with film, it's, it happens a lot more than I think people think whether or not we're doing, um, like there's a film going on in the film pipe and then there's a breakout sequence which fully gets packaged and kind of IA is a separate vendor if you like um, or if we're just borrowing and loaning artists or the current project that we're working on it's a big beefy project so it kind of started in IA and now it's migrated more to a filmic style 
um, just because of how big it is. And we're sort of working out the kinks um, on that as we go, which is a little stressful, but mm. it's it's cool to be working with all the different people of the business. And when I walk past the department managers, it's nice to know who they are and kind yeah. of say hi. And is, is that a, and pardon my ignorance, but is that, is that, does that feel like a recent development then, that, that collaboration? Was it a bit more siloed maybe a year, two years ago? A little bit. I mean, it, it kind, to me, I've only been at Framestore for almost four years. So it kind of feels similar to me in a lot of respects, but where there's a, where there's needs must, you know, yeah. um, it's not easy. I, I, I don't want to kind of say it's, it's easy, but the it's it's easy for the artists i feel like they they're just happy to jump on cool creative but from a management and production perspective perspective it's a little trickier but there are people that are super open to it and we are i'm open to it it's, it's cool it's cool to work with all of these different people yeah it's great it's great and i guess uh, you said katie it's all about that that creative problem solving and that you know the constant moving parts you know it's, it does really genuinely sound quite quite thrilling really dealing with all of these incredibly talented people and uh, ellen described it she described it perfectly she said tetris that's exactly what yeah. it is <laughs> moving pieces yeah absolutely brilliant and uh, and, and how, we've touched on how long you've worked here you said four years so has it been four years from when you came in as that talent pa ellen Yes, yeah, so I joined as a talent PA and then through needs must, I became a junior scheduler um, and now I'm still, yeah, scheduling. So I, th I think I've been scheduling for almost three years, so more time scheduling than I was um, as a team PA. Brilliant. And what's the, um, what is the career path for, for your role? What's the next logical step? I'm not looking to kind of remove anybody like a game of risk, but what's the, <laughs> it, what's you know, the it's, career It's really hard because, and I kind of speak to my managers about that all the time. I'm, mm. I'm not really looking for next steps, but yeah. often people in scheduling roles or from what I've heard, they are pretty keen to get into production. So they use scheduling as sort of like a, a lily pad to get into production I'm not too sure that that's what I want to do I really love scheduling um also so sorry if I keep saying scheduling or scheduling hey. like uh, the day I die I'll still not know what I, I don't know what the correct vernacular is either so it's yeah. crazy yeah um but yeah I think I think you can it is it's a complicated role and I think I'm learning every day I imagine I'm going to get a lot out of this role for a long time to come yeah. um but yeah the the exposure to sort of talent management and balancing schedules and obviously how film do it with their department managers and there's lots of nuance to the crewing role or the scheduling role for lots of different companies so I don't really know yeah, Simon is the answer that's... to that question but there's lots of opportunity yeah yeah and I guess you've reminded me from my when I used to work at another studio where you're absolutely right. You 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 almost went for, traditionally. You go runner, scheduler, and then you bounce into production typically. Um, yeah. But you, not that's not always the case. I've seen people go through the ops route and and now and now kind of running departments uh, kind of globally. It's amazing, really, and it's all to play for in, in visual effects. I think particularly totally. not just this career path we're talking about, but any. Yeah. And yeah, I uh, again the Tetris piece. It almost feels like the the ultimate project manager. I mean, it does really genuinely feel like you're that, that those project management skills that you must flex on a daily basis working in crewing. I mean, it's almost second to none from what I'm hearing. Yeah. 
I think I think I am I imagine it to be like that. Obviously, I've never worked in any other industry. It, again, the the key thing is that sort of the the visual effects knowledge that you can't yeah. get yeah. anywhere else. So yeah, you can have these transferable skills, but you know, like my first day at Frame Store, they were talking a whole bunch of gobbledygook that I was like, "What is this language? It Come is, on, people!" Yeah, I mean, Katie, how are you finding adapting to? the uh, the visual effects vernacular of uh... it's it's absolutely a learning curve 100 <laughs> percent because i mean i i felt the exact same way my first day my first week i i really didn't know what was going on um that being said you pick it up really quickly yeah. and i found that the first few weeks i knew what certain things were relevant to i just didn't know what they actually meant <laughs> so now yeah. I'm in the season of like finding out what they actually mean. What is actually rigging? What does grooming mean? Uh, that's I'm I'm now learning that aspect of it. But I understand that rigging is important for X Y Z tasks to occur. Yeah. So um, it's it's a learning curve, absolutely. But it's kind of like trial by fire, and sometimes that's the best way to learn a skill set or uh, a different world. A different industry yeah yeah it's got to throw yourself into it haven't you it's the beauty yeah. of it yeah. yeah learn by doing so my next question uh is how did you get your break in the vfx industry so people can people class their break it, it doesn't always have to be the first job is there a moment in your career ellen that you felt this is the bit this is the moment this is the break this is Clicks. the opportunity yeah there was kind of there was kind of two like obviously uh, my background being in dance visual effects wasn't on the radar then I moved to London just got a job in retail I loved my retail job mm -hmm. but but I knew that yeah. I wanted to do something in the creative industry still um and I had always had this friend and I love her to death but she we've been friends since we were like 15 and she studied animation and she worked in, at Weta and she went into mocap and I always kind of just there was a there was just a level and I feel like lots of people listening to the podcast will kind of hopefully understand what I'm saying and there's a level that you just hit that ceiling and you're like I have no idea what your job is and you're explaining it to me and you're talking to me but it's just not going into my brain and so she for years would talk about the visual effects industry and I would have no idea what she was talking about um and then you know she got a job at frame store and we went out for lunch one day and I was like I can't I don't want to be in retail anymore. I need something creative. I need something new. And she was very kind and kind of handed my CV into the recruitment team here. And it got funneled down to IA. And um, that's how I got my talent PA role. And it was really cool. And I kind of spent the whole year with like imposter syndrome of like, how did I get here? Um, and then my break into scheduling, which I'm so grateful for, was we had two schedulers leave within I think a year and um Abby and Emma my managers kind of just sat me down they were like look this might be a train wreck we think we think you'll be good at it um oh, it took a chance but you might hate it but yeah. we need you to try and I tried and it was hard and then we went into lockdown and it became harder of course yeah um and now here we are and I absolutely love it. And I, I, you know, I'm so grateful that they really took a chance on me and kind of, they were like, you know, are you cool with this? And I was like, as if I'm going to turn around and say, mm. no, <laughs> yes, let's do it. 
And so I'm grateful that they did that. So I guess that's kind of like my break into this role and yeah. thank God, you know. Yeah, right. Yeah. And you cruise that 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 COVID wave. I, I, I often forget. It's almost like a distant memory now because even seeing the years your tenure with Framestore and you had that big chunk in the the middle yeah. where it was all I mean, hybrid I remember it well it was it was grueling mm. I think not obviously obviously the sort of the actual bigger picture of what was going on but of course me trying to learn how to schedule and to crew moving big projects that we were about to deliver to a work from home scenario was really difficult and so I, I don't think I'll ever forget it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Don't know. I'm in denial, I think. I'm kind of... Uh, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm happy for you. <laughs> it's dormant. It's dormant. It, 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 it turns up occasionally uh, when you see me weeping in the corner of the, oh, the studio. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> uh, how about you, Katie, may I ask? Because, you know, your, your uh, trajectory into industry is interesting coming from the education side. You know, how did you... How did you transition from... Or what, what series of events happened to move from education to visual effects yeah well I I studied um film and tv at school and so that was always a the goal of mine and actually teaching at the beginning with teaching once I graduated college was just sort of a means to an end and in the background um I was writing and that was a big goal of mine was to write for television and film and so for four years I was pursuing that in my free time while I was teaching, you know, to pay rent, but actually teaching ended up being this great career. And I met so many incredible families and and students. Um, And then at the beginning of 2022, I, I decided, you know, I've built this career in teaching. Writing hasn't really taken off. I think it's time to start working, you know, full force in film and TV. So I started working at a production company. That was a really interesting experience, but I learned a lot. And then in November, I interviewed and started at Framestore. So this was always the goal, was to be working in this capacity. It just took me a roundabout way to get here. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's no direct route in, is there? There's always that snaky roundabout way, I think, with everybody getting into visual totally. effects. Yeah, totally. So this is the uh, what I kind of the self-styled cheesy question which I ask, which is, uh, what's the best thing about being part of Framestore, Sir Ellen? God, you're gonna hate me, Simon. You're actually gonna hate me. <laughs> no, it's, it's it's the people. It's the it people. Um, but I think for me, it's that incredible balance of like the legacy people the people that have have only ever worked at frame store yeah and the new people and the like the young people and i think that is what's really cool and i thought for a second it was kind of lost when mm. we were all working from home and there was a, a quite a clear divide when talking about coming back into the office and really senior people and those legacy people sort of not really wanting to be back in the office not not for, for any you know bad reason they mm. just they've enjoyed spending time with their families and just they've they've worked you know they're they're done with that sort of office life and but I'm so glad that a lot of them have come back because they really make Framestore what it is yeah. and you know walking the floors and seeing or, or just hearing how strong the Framestore sort of Oh, I don't know what the word is. I guess legacy is the only yeah. word I can use to describe it. That's a good word. It's pretty incredible. 
Yeah, yeah, it is. I mean, I completely agree with you. I mean, I, I literally learn something every day. I mean, it's in my job title, I suppose. But no, it's not actually. It's not my job title. It used to it's, be my old job title. My job is it's learning. It's an inference. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Thank you. That's a better word. <laughs> but it is, you know, I do. I learned, I mean, even this podcast alone, I, I learn, I mean, learn so much and you get such an insight from people. And, and then just walking the floors and just seeing all the amazing work on machines and yeah. the, the amount, and that's just London, let alone what's going on across, you know, the US studios and Vancouver and Melbourne and it's bonkers. It's totally magic. And like today they had the film whips um, yeah. up on the fifth floor and yeah. we saw lots of work from Montreal and Melbourne and Vancouver and it's just it's just absolutely magic. Like I really hope that the IA teams can get to do that as well and yeah. include the New York, LA and Chicago offices because absolutely. there's cool stuff going on. Yeah, particularly the amount of um, work that comes out of the IA team. I mean, I was lucky enough to go to the last in-person IA town hall last year. Um, yeah. I managed to, to bag an invite and uh, just seeing all that work was amazing. And then, and then seeing that work becomes a talking point when you're having conversations around the business. I mean, it's brilliant. Yeah, it's, it's, it's beautiful. Yeah. What about you, Katie? Best thing about working at Framestore in the short tenure you've, got, you've racked up so far? really appreciate the company culture. Um, I think perhaps because I came from a production company that didn't have this type of culture. Um, wow. Let's just let job you're not on LinkedIn. Let's just yeah, put it that come way. Come on, everyone's Googling it. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. um, I think the company, as far as I can tell, does care about it, its employees' well-being, the the you know, we have, at least on the, on the U.S. side, we have really good benefits. We, we have a great HR team, um, really understanding people when, when we need to take breaks or we're getting burnt out. Um, so I think it's, it's a very modern company culture in that sense because it's adapting to, you know, the needs of, of people nowadays. Um, and, and, it just in general, you know, when we get when we get emails from uh, from NG, I believe her name is every yeah. every couple of months, you know, it's Black History Month or we're celebrating we're celebrating Women's History Month. I just I just think that as a company to make the even a small effort to acknowledge these larger things that are happening in the world, it makes me yeah. proud to work here. Yeah. So I'm I'm very pleased with that. Excellent, excellent. I'm sure Angie will be thrilled that her, her emails are getting recognition <laughs> in Los Angeles. So that's that's great, great news. Angie's amazing. She should be on the podcast. Oh, she don't worry. She's on. She's on the hit list. She's on the hit list. She doesn't know <laughs> it yet. She would be. <laughs> amazing. Thank you both so much for that. Great answers. Um, so we're moving to kind of like the shows and the projects now. Um, and Ellen, if you could recommend one show that showcases or too much show in that sentence, but one show that showcases Framestore at its best, what would it be oh in your God. opinion? I just, that's, that's brutal. That's a brutal question it because is. we, we work on everything, like literally like everything, like the signs in Times Square, the yeah. rides in Disney, like, oh my God. Um, I do the the project that I've kind of had the privilege to work on that I always think is my favorite was Jingle Jangle, oh, which nice. was a Netflix Christmas film that I think it was the Montreal team that did the VFX work for. And then IA did a little storybook sequence. I say bit. little, it was yeah. not little. It was 
honestly the most beautiful work I think I've ever seen and just to kind of get to know the supervisors and the team that made that possible it's just stunning that was gorgeous, and I think wasn't it, it? Yeah. yeah and it just encapsulates like the heart and the labor of love that goes into these projects and I just think that will for always be my, yeah. my recommended project and it's cool that it came from IA yeah exactly and that was such a great sequence as well so it reminds me a bit of, and I don't know which one came first but the the pad is it the Paddington 2 sequence which is all storybook yeah. as well it's I'm so almost cute. more enamored by the the 2D elements over kind of the, the breakout sequence the CG real kind of you know real life stuff I don't know yeah. it's just my humble opinion but <laughs> and there's shows that I can't talk about that have that in as yeah. well um, I know the one wink wink it's wink beautiful. wink uh, yeah <laughs> Um, so there's a bit of a, a theme there, but that's a, that's a lovely example, actually. I like that. Yeah. And you got to work on that. That's cool. Yeah, I, cr- I crewed. I think it was probably one of the first projects that I kind of sort of crewed by myself. Obviously, when I say by myself, it's not by mm. myself. But, yeah. you know, like I was in the crewing meetings by myself. Abby kind of like let me fly a little bit. Great. Um, so, yeah, that was, you know, a really proud moment. It must be so, I mean, sorry to kind of, I'm, I'm getting all kind of geeky and gushy now, but to have played that part in that particular sequence and to have been yeah. responsible for everything you talked about earlier, crewing up, you know, assessing or getting, like I say, getting the dossiers out. <laughs> That's yeah. not going anywhere now. You know, so, you know the skill sets, recommend, recommending people, putting folks forward. I just think, it's you know, cool. to have produced that output and to have been part of that at that level, amazing. Yeah. And it feels, it feels a bit imposter syndrome because, it absolutely takes a village like without our recruitment team and our talent management and HOD like it's just impossible but you know there was one show that I did crew and the VFX supervisor kind of like jumped on a call with me personally and said thanks and I kind of was like wow a bit you know like jaw to the floor type vibe and I'm like all we do is just have weekly calls and we sort of agony aren't here and we workshop a bit but no yeah it is it is a big role and it is really cool to play that that part on those jobs so awesome i love that oh great another great example thank you Anna. so favorite question time for me now i love this one which is uh and again i'll be coming to you for this as well katie so be be prepared what is a common myth about your job role or field of expertise what do people often get wrong about your part of the business um i guess I mean, what I got wrong before I had the role was that it was easy. <laughs> um, and it's, I really did think it was easy. Like I would yeah. watch us, I think maybe because our previous scheduler did it with such ease. Schedulers made it look so easy. I thought it was really easy and it was really not. Isn't. I don't know if other people yeah. think that, but that's my. It's a funny one, isn't it? I mean, I, I when I started in, in, in visual effects, um, when I worked at the mill back in the day on Great Marble Street, and one of the things I did early on was I sat with scheduling. So I, did, we, I didn't have the, the pleasure of having you folks sitting behind me at Framestore as I do today. <laughs> I had to go down on the floor. I used to sit with production. It's a small setup at Great Marble Street, and I sat with scheduling for the day, and it was bonkers. Yeah. And it was one of the best things I did was spend that time with that team. And I just sat there, and I did my emails, and I did my, did my thing. But I was in that environment and yeah. that's what I got. It was like, this is a crazy working environment. It's amazing. It's but, nuts. Everyone, everyone thinks that their job is the most important, that their deadline's coming up first, that um, they should have kind of the pick of their crew and, and 
you know, when you're when you're talking, I think in IA as well, and Katie will understand like the splitting of hairs of you have someone with a very particular set of skills and you've got three yeah. jobs going that need that set of skill. It's usually like a creature modeler, for example, or a CFX artist. And you go to one production, you're like, can I please borrow a couple of hours of this person? Because it is really that, yeah. that minute of wow. a need. And the other producers are like, ah, gosh, I just, I just can't. I'm sorry, I would if I could. And you then have to really bargain with people and sort of with your limited knowledge of what a CFX artist can do and the minutiae of how they do their job. And you kind of just have to back yourself and push, push, push. And then someone will that's cave. So interesting. And that's how it gets solved. So you're literally trading. I'm going to come to you, Katie, in a minute. But are you literally trading in people's hours? So if I'm an artist, I'm a CFX (laughs) artist, I come in and go, right, I've got two hours on this show. I better make it count. (laughs) Oh, don't don't make it sound like that. I mean, we try really hard to make it not. Like, I will message the artist and (laughs) say, and you kind of, but I I think they know how it works. And Mm, especially like a CFX artist that, you know, like is running a sim. They know how long that's going to take. It's kind of when production, it's just such a melting pot because if it's been bid properly and you go to a modeler and you're like, okay, well, it's, it's time for your three days a week on this project, it will either sit really well with them and they'll go, totally, cool, I can split my time or you'll start getting that pushback. Like, that's nuts. You can't expect me to do that in that amount of time. And then, and then comes the bartering with production and sort of trying to unpick where it went wrong, which I often need yeah. Abby Orchard's help with or Liz mm-hmm. Oliver's because it just goes, you just get out of your depth quite quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is, it's, it's bartering. It is, it's fun. <laughs> it sounds it, it sounds it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm thinking of a career change already, I think, when I get into yeah, the, come on over, the cut and thrust of, uh, of crewing. <laughs> sounds brilliant. Well, I want to talk a bit about um, your your mentors and particularly the, the Emmas and the Abbeys of the world uh, shortly. Um, but Katie, I don't want to leave you out about the um, what people often get wrong about your part of the world over in uh, sunny California. So what would be your answer to that question? Yeah, I think um, I, haven't, I haven't run into many misconceptions at all um but the the one that maybe I had similar to Ellen is uh that that I would just be doing scheduling but it's actually kind of um a combination of a lot of different things we function in some HR capacities we function um at the very least interfacing with studio operations we're speaking with data and systems and pipeline constantly actually one of my like main jobs is assigning machines so assigning boxes to artists and that's a fluid situation I dream about flame machines they haunt my nightmares um (laughs) (laughs) including very specifically today there's a flame (laughs) fire um so there we're doing so much more than just what you would think of as traditional scheduling because a yeah. lot of it goes into it and and the scheduling aspect of it affects so many other things of course yeah yeah it goes back to the assumption my my assumptive take on crewing is that tetris block that that view you have on your your screen that i often see and it just looks like a yeah, just moving stuff around yeah colorful blocks but it's, it <laughs> sounds like everything we talk about on the podcast which is visual effects is the people the people business dealing with all those walks of life that you mentioned and uh yeah that negotiate that endless negotiation and problem solve which sounds 
honestly genuinely fascinating i've been looking forward to this this particular recording for a while and it hasn't let me down yet (laughs) keep going guys keep going you're doing a great job so what's the most important lesson you've learned in your career ellen what's the big learning curve for you uh i mean just to try and learn to be patient patience is not a virtue that i possess um and my whole life people have just told me i need to be more patient and especially in this role because as crazy and slapdash as everything can be sometimes things will just work out by themselves and I think that um yeah sometimes if I put my foot on the brake a little bit things will sort themselves out and they don't need to be intervened with so that is something that I'm currently trying (laughs) to learn it's a good it's interesting one because surely there's got to be a balance in in your line of work of being not insistent but Maybe a level of impatience is maybe important in your line of work. Think, is that fair? I think so. And I think Abby, Abby is always trying to kind of say that to me. She's like, you're not going to fix everything overnight and, yeah. and things will fix themselves. And But I do think that that comes from experience. And it's incredible being surrounded by so much experience and having that to fall back on and, and just know okay, Abby knows what she's doing. And if yeah. she's saying to kind of take a beat and to be patient, that is what you should do. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you, you tend to panic a lot when you don't really, when you feel out of your depth. Um, so yeah, patience, which hopefully I'll gain more of in the next four years. Excellent. Well, uh, yeah, let's uh, let's bring you on the podcast in four years' time, Ellen, and we'll see how you're getting on with that. <laughs> like those good... Billie Eilish interviews we could do. One of, exactly. No one knows what I'm talking about. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, broadly, you know, I'm, I'm a, <laughs> I'm a really Gen X. So this is it's no... all right, Simon. Well, <laughs> I'll out. tell you. I'll tell you later. Tell me, yeah, exactly. We'll go with it. We'll go with it. So you've talked. You've talked a lot about uh, you know the people that surround you, Ellen, and uh, I'm, I'm keen to hear about who you would consider to be your your most important professional mentor or mentors. You know, you don't have to limit it to one, um, but who would you put in the frame? Oh, it's hard, it, uh, and I, I think especially because it's women's month they, they really have they have been three and there's two at frame store that are living and breathing and kicking around and, and they are my managers it's emma malpass and abby orchard they are they are literally the heartbeat of yeah. integrated advertising and they're such like a dynamic duo like abby with a production background and she's very sort of assertive and so much experience and kind of brings all of that crewing knowledge down to me and is very good at um yeah like pushing me to fly and then you have Emma Malpass who is equally in her own right amazing but is a talent manager and she is there to make sure that everyone is thriving everyone is happy there's a problem she's going to look into it and help fix it and they have just been incredible to me ever since I started um and it's amazing that they're both women as well because I love that um but yeah I mean my my first ever mentor and she's she'll always sort of be my mentor in my life is the owner of the dance studio that I used to work at in New Zealand and she she taught me a lot about professionalism and because we're good friends and at the time, you know, she's a bit older than me, but we we had this really like beautiful friendship and it was difficult working with your friends and especially someone who runs their own business and that's their baby and you're their employee as well as their friend. Um, but without 
her managing me first, I don't think I would be the person that I am today. So I love that I just have three strong women sort of professional mentors in yeah, my life. Yeah, awesome. It's incredible. That's yeah. so cool. That's so cool. Yeah, what a great foundation. And, and uh, like, I love how you, you put the whole relationship with uh with emma and and, and abby like they almost they're both they almost complement each other as a unit don't they which is obviously totally on purpose do. but you know it's great to hear that yeah they they are the little heartbeat of ia awesome sure. brilliant what about you katie anybody you would cite as a uh, a great mentor yeah definitely i'm i'm very lucky to have a great crew manager uh guiding me rachel corman um she is the reason why I'm I think I'm pretty good at my job and and it's because of her because she changed me um and she's been doing this she's been at Framestore for maybe as long about as long as Ellen and and um just really guiding me and teaching me the the art of when to slow down on something when to speed up on something because it really is feeling your way through a situation and so and you don't have that inherently that comes with experience so it's been fantastic to have her guiding me absolutely so so important to have everyone everyone you've both mentioned you know in your in your space you know not necessarily in that traditional like sit down mentoring but actually just learning in the moment from them you know and I guess how they how they mentor other people as well Mm. and then creating that space of people that are all being mentored by the same people but not falling into that kind of danger zone of everyone thinking the same like they're very much champions and I know Rachel was as well like champions of creative problem solving and Mm -hmm. thinking about all aspects of everything I I don't know how they do it their brains are too big (laughs) a lot yeah I say there's a lot of intel there and and great examples thank you thank you so much and hats off to your your mentors I'm sure there's a lot lots of others out there it's a hard it's an unfair question because I'm sure there's loads of other people you work with who are also super cool and, and yeah of course um, of but course. they're great yeah they're, they're not great good enough for the podcast no <laughs> no up your game if you're listening <laughs> <laughs> so what underrated tool or tools are indispensable for your job again another favorite question it's almost like a life hack situation but you know what totally. non-obvious tools um get you through the day Unfortunately, it, it's, a, it's an obvious one. And it is, it's that program that you see me looking at, Simon, yep. with the colorful blocks. The it's dashboard. Yep. It is good old Sita who, uh, Al knew it, you know, works above and beyond to create Respect. all the tools that we need. Yep. Um, without Sita, literally, we would die. And that is not <laughs> an exaggeration. Okay, okay. I hope everybody's listening to this. <laughs> <laughs> Al, I owe Al my life. No. Um, yeah, that's it. It's not underrated. It's very highly rated. Very, very rated. <laughs> highly rated tool. Yeah. Would you agree, Katie? Are we going to have a big seat of love in here? I, it's, it's, uh, I'll be a little controversial because it's Ooh. like, it's like love hate. I love Sita. Sure. I, I just wish, I just wish that Sita loved me back. No, it's like unrequited <laughs> love. Sometimes it's, there's bad days. Yeah. There are some bad there's, days. There are but... some bad days, but um, it is really helpful to have everything centralized yeah. because it's not just scheduling that uses it. The producers are using it. Our head of production is using it. Um, systems is using it. So it, it is really helpful to have a one-stop shop where people can yeah. check this, this, collection of information and and draw conclusions from it yeah 
we've almost got this kind of personification of Sita as a person now that you all have a relationship with. And that's probably why I it's call, dysfunctional I call her because Miss everybody Sita. wants a piece of Sita. Miss Sita. Miss Sita. Yeah. yeah right. That is, I'm going to start using that. Yeah. yeah. The dysfunctional, but, you know, love-hate relationship that yeah. we have with Miss it Sita. Is, it's brutal sometimes, Simon. Seriously, it is. Well, we should do some, uh, it's like marriage counselling. Miss Sita. Yeah. Let's, let's get into it. There's a, there's a, there's a, there's a piece of content here for sure. If we, we, I'm sure we could get into, but yeah, loving it. Good example, and yeah, big up Alan. Yes, Al. For uh, yeah, for, for for the wonder of Sita. Excellent. So, moving into the next question, which is, and we're kind of getting into the advice piece now. We're getting into the end of episode. I say episode one. It's uh, part one of, of this week's episode which is the advice question. So if there's somebody out there, whether they're within Framestore or they're trying to get into industry because this podcast can be accessed anywhere, you know, what's one piece of advice you'd give someone, that golden nugget to somebody starting out in industry, uh, particularly if they're interested in a role in crewing? Um, I mean, I wish I had something really sort of unique, but it's not. It's, it's to just ask questions. And I think yeah. understand that your voice is valuable and people people love kind of imparting knowledge, like especially yeah. the artists. They love kind of sitting down with you and showing, showing you how they do their job. Um, so yeah, not being afraid to ask questions, especially at Framestore, because I do truly believe you're given the space to ask those questions. Um, and if not, then just ping them to me and I'll ask those questions. <laughs> but it's important. It's cool to ask questions. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's the, the art of curiosity, which comes up a lot on the podcast, actually. It's about, you know, embracing curiosity as a superpower rather than not asking the question that might be perceived as being silly. And actually, there's no such thing, right? It's all about there's how no you learn. such thing. And I mean, exactly. like, even if you think of it on the level, like a compositor isn't necessarily going to know unless they studied it at uni which I guess uni students nowadays they have quite a breadth of um you know training but a compositor isn't necessarily going to know the ins and outs of an effects artist or an animator so it's it might be it might feel like a stupid question to that animator but how on earth are they going to know the answer to that question it's Mm -hmm. just not their realm um so I guess being in production or management, you can often feel like all questions are stupid because you're not as like technologically savvy as these artists. But no, that's that's not true because they, you know, they'd probably have the same questions about your job as well. So exactly, yeah, yeah. It's, it's so I'm sorry to bang on about it, but it's just so important. I feel like I've only really cottoned onto this in maybe the last five six years of my career, and I wish that I'd had that advice when I started out is just ask the questions don't pretend you know everything when you're hired to do any job that kind of ridiculous I don't know expectation that you you have to know everything where you've been like you use the term a certain set of skills you know you've been hired to deliver something so you must be the absolute you know final word on that subject it's absolute bs isn't it totally totally great answer Katie anything to add to that what advice would you throw out there to our our loyal subscribers well, I think maybe mine is is just more in the broader sense of what we were talking about earlier that that most career paths are nonlinear, yeah. and that that is okay. <laughs> yeah. I think that would be the biggest advice I would give myself if I could go back in time was just that it's okay to take a winding path toward what you're doing, and um, and and certainly you don't have to. Uh, 
win a Nobel prize when you're 22, you know, don't, yeah. what, what, don't, don't rush your life, you know? So and, true. and mm. I wish I had known that when I was younger. So now I'm trying to take things slower and, and enjoying things more in my career. And, um, I think I, I would hope that young people would know that I'm, I'm thinking more about people younger than me mainly because yeah. I don't feel like I have the capacity to give advice to anyone who's older than me, but, um, <laughs> I, I, I think that's really important. Yeah. The non-linearity of life. Once you lean into it and accept it rather than fighting it, things get a lot easier. Yeah. There's something about just enjoying the process, being part of, being part of the moment rather than thinking about yeah. end the game all the time. You know, it's really good it must advice. must be exhausting to do that. It's no way to exist, is it? Absolutely. No. Yeah. Draining. Even just thinking about the concept and being God, I'm in it. exhausted. I know. I need to lie down after <laughs> this podcast. So, Ellen, thank you for that, Katie and Ellen. Uh, but yeah, what's one uh, question you wish I'd asked you and how would you have answered it? I don't, I, I don't even know, but I, I have a question for you, Simon. Oh, God. I have right. a question. How, how, do you feel, how do you feel sitting behind the IA talent team? What is What are you... I'm desperate to know. You literally sit in a little corner behind <laughs> this like rambunctious group of loudmouths. What are you? What do you think? I, you know, I learn so much from the conversations that you have. You got to remember that I'm very much a uh, Generation Xer. You know, I'm, 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 you know, believe it or not, I'm pushing, I'm pushing fifty. I'm forty-eight years old, going to be forty-nine. Shocking, and, Simon. Uh, well, thank you, thank you for saying that on the podcast. <laughs> I'll, I'll make sure I keep that in the edit. Yeah, don't cut that. <laughs> no, but, uh, but yeah, I just, I love, I love, you know, the point of this podcast is I, enjoy, I, I love hearing different perspectives. I love hearing what makes people tick and what gets them out of bed and what they do. And I wouldn't be in my line of work if I didn't enjoy that. Yeah. And I genuinely learn stuff, even from your the day-to-day conversations that you have as a team. I think it's yeah. really cool because I know how busy you are. And I know, I mean, I've, I've been around, it's not the first uh, crewing scheduling team that I've been around, and uh, but I've never sat directly behind one. And But I know how busy you are. You know, everything you've talked about, yes, it's really, it's, it's mind-blowing. But I know how busy your team is. It's crazy, the work you have to do. And the good humor you approach your your day with as a team, I think, is really inspiring. Plus, I get loads of ideas for kind of music and shows. And, yeah. <laughs> and I, yeah, I chime in occasionally with my take. Uh, absolutely. But yeah, no, music, the whole shebang, really. I mean, I, I genuinely enjoy I really enjoy it. You know, I've never been one to sit in my own office. I like to be out with teams and particularly, you know, you know, and with your team, you never know who's going to be in because there's always a different I dynamic know. every day with hybrid working. Yeah, we, we like to mix it up. But I think that's, I guess, you know, the kind of frame store way, isn't it? Having the global head of training and development, if that's your title, I've got Yeah, correct. something like that last time I checked. <laughs> Having sat behind, like, you know, the senior recruitment manager and talent manager and IA and the crewing team and the team PA and the film recruitment, I think yeah. that's awesome that we're all kind of in that little club together. I love that. And yeah. it's the only way you get used to the business and understand the business is about being amongst it. And uh, totally. I, yeah. yeah, so love it is my answer to my question. Gorgeous. And occasionally I'll chime in with a few, you know, throwbacks to, you know, 80s, 90s days. So, yeah. We love to hear it. I've always I've always got a few examples to add. But uh, yeah, <laughs> anyway, but yeah, thank you for turning the tables on me, Ellen. Appreciate that. Thank <laughs> You're you. welcome. <laughs> so a question to both of you as we start to wind down the first part is uh, I'm always looking for podcast guests, uh, as you know, and who would you like to hear from on the podcast next or at least in the future and why, Ellen? Well, 
I've thought long and hard about this. There's so many people. I would love to hear from Johannes, yes. who's the CG head of CG in yes, IA. Indeed. He has injected life into that department. I would love to hear from him. And if I may be so bold as to suggest a co-host. Oh, um, okay, nice. Anna Louise Kennedy, who Ooh, yes. th- the pair of them together, I just think will be magic. I'd love to hear that. It would make my life easy for sure um, <laughs> on that episode. Well, uh, Johannes is on my hit list. Uh, you'll be glad to know. Yes. He's already there. So it's nice to have that uh, reinforced. But yeah, that's a great pairing there with Anna Louise Kennedy. Cool. We'll make that happen. Thank you, Ellen. Yeah. Katie, may I ask you who you'd like to see on the pod? Sure. I haven't I, I, I haven't gone so far as to think of a co-host necessarily, but I, I, w- I would love to hear from some artists, especially how they got into what they're doing now. Uh, we have a great artist here in L.A. I will say he's busy right now. As I said, flame haunts my nightmares. But um, Toby Brockhurst would be a great person to chat with. He's very well spoken, got a lovely accent. Um, I think he's British, actually. And um, he's a really, really senior level flame artist who's been working forever. Um, And it would it would be great to hear his perspective from from how long his career has been. Brilliant. Julie noted. Thank you, Katie. Okay, so that leads me into our final couple of questions now, which is the reason why people listen to the podcast, not for any of this work work nonsense, but to hear about the your desert island dish. And if you had to eat one meal for the rest of your life, what would it be? Look, I've tried to think of something exciting, but anyone that knows me will know it's just McDonald's. I think that McDonald's is underrated. <laughs> underrated. No, look. It's rated, no, look. isn't it? Come on. It's okay. it's rated pretty highly and I'm here to continue rating it just as highly. And I'm not ashamed to say it. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, other fast food establishments are available, but what's your go-to order, Ellen? I'm intrigued. Oh, it's actually a pretty gross one, to be honest. And I can't believe I'm actually saying it, but it is three three mayo chickens with cheese. Delicious. Mm. Um, and medium fries okay. with a can of Coke that is not from McDonald's. It's from the Offy or the supermarket. Ah. That's it. And it's embarrassing. But That's not embarrassing. Go. It's out there in the world now. So if anybody wants to curry some favour with mm-hmm. Ellen Boss, if you know what to bring yeah. to her desk at lunchtime. I've got to be more authentic self. Yeah, exactly. There you go. Lean into it. Thank you for being so, uh, <laughs> so authentic, Ellen. Thank you. And Katie. You're so welcome. I, I have to ask you. You know, out there in California, all those amazing food trucks and all that amazing Mexican well, cuisine. My answer is not going to be good compared to how amazing the if cuisine you say is. Something, if you say something healthy, that's it. Our working no. relationship is over. <laughs> I, I'm not, for, for context, I'm not from LA. I'm from Chicago. Um, oh. No, uh, pasta. Pasta, yes. pasta, 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 pasta. It doesn't really matter what's on the pasta. Put butter on it and I'll eat it. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, pasta and McDonald's. What a big finish. So the the, the final question. Makes us sound crazy. You know, you you crazy crewing assistants and schedulers. (laughs) um, I am going to finish with uh, the question I do ask everybody, which uh, isn't really a question. It was really a trend that started with Sergio Gonzalez's uh, episode one conversation around music he listens to while he works. 
And I was going to ask you both, you know, do you have a go-to artist or a couple of tracks you can gift me that I can add to the uh, Frame Store Daily Spotify playlist? That's such a cool idea. Um, yeah, listen to music constantly. My favorite band that I'm usually listening to is a band called Moona. They are, oh God, they're just everything to me. Alan, do you, you want to like know something Moona? funny? I what? went to high school with Katie. You Ooh. are kidding me. Yeah, she's fantastic. <laughs> you Simon, you actually don't understand. <laughs> this is insanity. She's oh great. Oh my god, I'm she, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously, like they are they mean everything to me. I'm hardcore fangirling now. But yeah, I'm we're gonna talk about this later because that we'll is We'll go offline and talk about it. That is gorgeous. Oh my god. I've I've lost my train of thought. It's Moona, anything Moona, anything but me is probably the song I would recommend for your Spotify playlist. Awesome. Well it's it's gonna land on the podcast playlist. No way. Right, well well, good job it's the end of the first half at least anyway. Uh, Katie, anything to add to the playlist before we wrap up part one? Oh gosh, I've been listening to a lot of um throw throwback stuff. So a lot of Bob Sager and Tom Petty. And um, there. Nice. yeah, kind of uh, stuff that I'm too young to, to know about, but obviously <laughs> fam- famous enough that I do anyway. Excellent, yeah, it all lives forever. Well, make sure you send me some tunes um, and we'll make sure they drop the week of your, your this, this podcast being out. So as people hear it, it's going to be there. Those, those, cool. brilliant, those brilliant tunes. Thank you both so much. We'll see you on Thursday where, where Katie's going to take over and... Uh, continue this this grilling and hopefully ellen will uh, stop fangirling enough to yeah. uh, focus on the i'll take some deep answering breaths. katie's questions <laughs> amazing thank you both thank you well that was part one join us for part two of the frame store podcast this thursday where katie takes over proceedings as co-host and interviews ellen we'll see you then